0: Well, you, uh, it's a long weekend in May. It can be snowy or it can be sunny. It is sunny. And you came to church. (laughs) How much do you love Jesus? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) So if the rapture happened now, I'm not sure where the rest of them are going, but we're good. (laughs) No, that's bad theology, don't, that's really bad theology. It's like Pastor said, you're not going to make it if you don't go to church, yeah. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Yep, amen. Um, Before we even start, I just want to pray. So Al and Trina, I saw you come in, Al, where are you? I can't see a thing, there you are. Their son, Dax, passed away last week, 17 years old. Can we just pray for them right now and pray for Hunter and Kelly and the whole family? Amen? Would you do that with me right now? So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we only know one thing. You comfort those who mourn. And so Holy Spirit, I pray you come and surround this entire family with the supernatural presence of Jesus Christ, the love and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Flood this family, Lord, and all that are affected by this loss, Lord. We pray that there will be uh, just the surrounding angels of the mercy of God in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Well, we're on a series uh, called The Good and the Beautiful Community. And uh, we've been in this series for several months, guys. We've been in the uh, the apprenticeship series. Uh, I just am enjoying uh, these books. I'm enjoying what the Spirit of God has been pulling out of my heart and life, if I can be just honest. My wife and I have been convicted almost on a weekly basis, but that's a beautiful thing. That's not a scary word. That's a life-giving word. That just says, Lord, you know what? Peel those things and the layers and the stuff out of my life that give me hope. Amen? And so today we're talking about the serving community. The serving community. There's a a theologian named Oswald uh, Sanders, and he wrote um, this book. And In the book, he's talking about the, the nature of Christ's leadership. And one of the things, the first chapters of the book is called the master's master principle, and the master's master principle was servanthood, and so servanthood is really, if you want to understand God, you have to understand servanthood. It's a huge part of who he is. You know, one of the things that I've learned in my life over the last decade, I can say it's been solidified, it's been uh, elevated, it's been amplified, um, that that In every realm of life, whether it be education, whether it be politics, whether it be the church, whether it be business, it doesn't matter, every realm, I can tell you those people that shine the brightest, those that display uh, God's heart and intention for what these realms are meant to be, are people who live and act as servants in those capacities. Not for themselves, not doing this for their own personal gain, but doing it as an act of service. How many have ever met a teacher who has an anointing to teach, and the act of teaching is like an act of servanthood to them? You know what I'm talking about? You know, guys, this even spans beyond the kingdom of God. There are people that live and act in servanthood, and they reflect God's heart and intention for every area and realm of life. And so our heart and intent is that you and I would live as servants of the Lord. We are a serving community, and in that way we display the glory and the splendor of the Lord. And in serving, you and I actually help people find their way home to God. Because servanthood is an unnatural act in our world. (laughs) It's seen as a lesser than understanding It's seen if you're a servant, that's not an elevated rank, but in the kingdom of God, servanthood is an elevated rank. In fact, only the choicest of servants in the Bible were called servants of the Lord. That was their title, Moses, David, to be called a servant of God is a high calling. Well, let's pray and see if we can figure out why and how we are to live as the servants of the Lord today, to take some things away from this service and to move forward with faith in God. Father, thank you for this amazing group of people, Lord, who love you. God, in this room are people that are going through tremendous grief. There are people that are going through uh, challenges. There are people that are going through different things. Some of them are going through great things. They're just like, my life's great. Lord, whatever our situation, whatever our status, Lord, we are with you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you will come and teach us, train us, empower us, anoint us to live as the servants of the Lord in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So why and how are we to live as the servants of the Lord? Number one is very simple. Our Lord came as a servant. If you were to look at the DNA of God, as I've already said, if you would look at God's DNA, one of the things that would immediately capture your attention is that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and the sustainer of life came to serve, not to be served. And so when we start to understand that, it starts to shape our thinking Think about what the word servant means. It means one who performs duties in the service of another. Think of how Jesus has served us and served humanity by healing people, teaching people, loving people, confronting people, reaching out to to people, by going out of his way to help those in need. Jesus Christ said, you know, his mission statement was, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so a lost people and a lost promise and a lost calling, God has come to restore us to what we were always intended to be. This is the message and the, of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to call people home, back into a relationship with God. Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, really modeled this idea of servanthood. And I want to do, go a different direction Today, not just talking about the deeds of servanthood, but how we serve and why we serve. And so, listen to this text. We're going to read it. It's a larger portion, it'll come up. You can follow along. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, that he had come from God and he was on his way back to God. So, he got up from the supper table, set aside his robe, and put on an apron. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with the apron. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He's asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. For very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Amen. It's a beautiful picture of servanthood. I mean, imagine the pressure that's on Jesus. This is the night before his death, the night before his his crucifixion. And he's trying to get kind of summarize all the lessons that he's taught these disciples, these followers for the last three years. And he shows up in the room and we'll go, get into the, the nuances of what's go, happening in the story. But we know the story is that when people would come into the room, uh, usually a servant child or person would wash their feet uh, because they've been walking out in the streets all day. And the tables weren't like our tables, they sat low and you're kind of sitting on the floor and so you want the feet to be clean because it's next to the food, but there was nobody to serve, there was nobody to wash feet, so Jesus waited and nobody got up, no, none of his disciples took the cue and so Jesus then had to, just before the meal was served or as the meal was served, he gets up and says, okay guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate it one last time, you've got to learn to serve, this is what it's all about. And so I love this scripture. You've heard me talk about it many times because I love servanthood. To me, again, it is one of the great values of the kingdom of God. And if I can be honest, it is one of the reflections of this church family. When people come to this church, they're kind of amazed by how people serve. It's just part of the DNA of our church, which makes me very happy as your pastor. It makes me feel like we've done something right that way. But I want you to see what Jesus did. Jesus did, didn't serve. He served out of his identity in God. And this is critical if you're going to live as a servant of the Lord. Look at what it said. He knew that all things were placed under his authority. That's about significance. He knew that he had come from the Father, that he was accepted. And he knew he was going back to the Father. That's security. That's security. Acceptance, significance, security. Church, those three things in your life define your identity. How you get those three things in your life acceptance, security, significance they all define identity. And so, Jesus Christ, knowing that He had all authority, that He was the creator and sustainer of all life, that He spoke and it came to be, that He commanded and it stood firm, He was God supreme. How many of you know he had some serious, awesome significance? Amen? And and knowing that he would come from God, he was accepted, and that he was returning to God, he was secure, he got up from the table, unwrapped, took off his garment, became vulnerable, took the place of a servant, and washed his disciples' feet. An incredible picture of Jesus serving out of identity. You know, I'm going to say a couple things. Knowing who you are is the key to how you live your life. All action flows out of identity. You know, how we act shows often what we believe. If you have a sin issue in your life, you know, one of the challenges is that if you try to change that thing by attacking that basic sin issue, but you don't deal with the root as to why the sin issue is there, how many of you know you're going to end up repeating that sin? But to deal with the root means to take on and to change your identity. All action flows out of identity. If I think I'm a sinner, if I think I'm an alcoholic, if I think I'm these things, I'm going to act like that. But if I understand that I am a saint of God delivered by the power of Jesus Christ to live victoriously in this life, to overcome these things in my life it begins to shape who I am and the actions that I have. You need to be secure in your identity if you're going to be a servant of the Lord. It's actually the one thing that you and I have to work on the most. See, religion wants to deal with the individual sin rather than the identity. Amen? So meditating on who we are, who you are, whose we are, those things begin to shape us and begin to change us. Because of this identity see the world's DNA is not servanthood the world's DNA is get what you can can what you get and keep on going amen and so we think that way and it's really not the wisest way to live I love the scripture in 1st John it says don't love the world's ways don't love the world's goods love of the world squeezes out love for the father practically everything that goes on in the world wanting your own way wanting everything for yourself Wanting to appear important, right, is not, is not what God wants for your life. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But he who got, does what God wants is set for eternity. This is the heart of God. To start living in the kingdom of God and to live as servants of the Lord. I love it. You know, when we know whose we are and we know who we are, it begins to move through our life in beautiful, powerful ways. In Luke 22, which is the parallel scripture to uh, John 13, in Luke 22 Jesus announces to his disciples one of you is about to betray me, and they get into an argument about which one it could possibly be and then that argument leads to them saying which is the greatest. They actually start. well it couldn't be me, Jesus loves me. It couldn't be me, I'm better than you. I think it's I think it's you. I think it's Peter. Peter's always shooting off his mouth. They get into this fight, and Jesus gets up, takes off his outer garment, puts on this, this towel, right, this way to wash feet, and this is what he says. He says this, who would you rather be, the one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? But I've taken my place among you as one who serves. You've stuck with me through thick and thin. Now I confer on you the royal authority my father conferred on me so you can eat and drink at my table in the kingdom of God and be strengthened as you take up responsibility among the congregations of God's people. Jesus looks throughout generations and generations of Christians and the message is the same. And he's constantly compelling us and saying, guys, I'm anointing you to serve. I'm compelling you to serve. I'm I'm giving you the gift, I'm conferring on you the royal authority of servanthood. And uh, one of the things we've done in our discipleship school for the nine years that we've done our discipleship school, uh, the graduating diploma that everybody receives at this discipleship school is a towel. (laughs) It's a towel. Here, You've graduated discipleship school, now here's your towel, go and serve. Go and serve. The Father has conferred on you. Jesus conferred on you the royal anointing to serve. And so Jesus is this picture of servanthood. And in every area of your life, church, God wants you to serve at work. He wants you to serve at home. He wants you to serve in your schools. He wants you to serve your neighbors. Every aspect and part of your life is shaped by servanthood. This is the reflection of the king and the kingdom that you're part of. But here's the second thought. And again, rather than talking about individual acts of service, I want to understand how to serve. And so the second thing you need to understand, our serving flows out of our relationship with Jesus. You know, we know that this servanthood is the DNA of God, but do you understand that this is where, again, religion versus relationship goes wrong. Religion says serve, and if you serve enough, then maybe you will build up a long enough list and a high enough, you know, good things that you've done, and God will approve of you, and God will love you, and God will let you into heaven. That is religion. That is not God's heart or intention. That is not Christianity. That is not what God is saying to you. He's saying, I am a servant, and I am serving. I am asking you to join me in servanthood. And so when you serve, you don't serve for God. Listen to me. You serve with God. There's a big difference. Amen? Because if I try to serve for, you know, I'm trying to serve for God, like I'm doing this to earn God's favor. I'm lear- doing this to earn his acceptance. I'm doing this to be significant. I'm doing this in order to, to be secure in my eternity. That does not reflect the kingdom. But the kingdom says, I am here, and it's all I can do, and I need to be empowered by God, by God for God, with God in order to do this. Church, listen to me. You serve because Christ first served in you. He first served you. Amen? You know what? You love because Christ first loved you. You give because Christ first gave to you. Everything starts with God and everything flows from God. Your communion, your community with God is what will give you the strength and the power and the anointing in order to serve this world. And this world needs serving. (laughs) There are so many broken and hurting and lost people. Listen, I just want to to share this from Philippians because I think it's so powerful. It's a picture of how we serve. It says, therefore, if any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. How many of you know that's the most impossible scripture without Jesus Christ empowering you to do it? How can I not be self-centered and selfish? There's only one way. And, that, and I love this scripture because it's saying, if you have this by being united with Christ, then be like-minded. So when I spend time with God, the highest act of servanthood, church, the highest act of your service is to the Lord. It's not for the Lord. It's to the Lord. Because in coming to that place of saying, Father, I'm here to worship you. Father, I'm here to meet with you. Father, I'm here to be empowered by you. I need to be with you because I have to go out and live this out in this world. And I cannot do it unless I first receive it from you. Amen? That was the weakest. Mumble, mumble, mumble. When are you done? It was barbecue season. Oh, Jesus, have mercy. (laughs) Church, listen, we have to start understanding we serve from a new identity. I don't serve in order to be secure in my relationship with God. I serve because I am secure. I don't serve and preach so you say, oh, how significant you are. I serve and preach because I'm already significant because I'm in Christ amen, and I'm just using my gifts, I'm just using my gifts, thank you for the amen, I got finally somebody awake, and everyone else woke up around you, Woo! come on, hallelujah, (laughs) the band said they need to be kicked in high gear for this next part, Pastor Greg, okay, we're in, amen, beautiful, amen, (laughs) this is, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, it's good, church, listen, you serve because you're a reflection of Jesus Christ. He is, came as a servant. Number two, you serve with him. You serve because it's part of being in relationship with him. That your service flows out of relationship. Lastly, our serving is motivated by God's heart and intent. Who do we serve? Listen to Isaiah 61. One of the great scriptures on who we're called to serve. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of the ashes, instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair they will be called the oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord for the display of his splendor they will rebuild the ancient ruins restore the places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations who do we serve the poor the grieving the captives the prisoners This is who you are. Now, here's the thing. This text is so amazing. Because guess who the servants are? The people who were the poor, the grieving, the prisoners, the lost, the broken. And so God comes along and he says, I'm going to rescue you. And then I'm going to make you poor, lost, grieving, broken souls... Into my kingdom, my family, my church, I'm going to plant you and you are going to become the oaks of righteousness. The plantings of the Lord. Amen and amen. You start as a little seed though, guys. That's what you're saying, like, I'm, I'm still broken, I'm still lost, I'm still, I'm still hurting. Yeah, I get it, but God's saying, if you've received anything from me, then go and give it away, because if you give it away in service, I will give you more. Amen. 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 This is the heart of God. And so you people are called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And you're going to come and you're going to deliver those places that were long devastated, those places that were desolate, those cities that were in ruin. You come and you bring the life of God in this place, not only through the church, but by being the church in your workplaces, being the church in your families, being the church in every realm and every area of your life. That is who you are. That is whose you are. And God is saying you can do it, little seedlings. And you're like, God, I would have picked Connor McDavid. He's so much better than everybody in Calgary. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And all the Calgary fans said, Boo. boo. That's all right. He is good, though. Yeah, thank you for that. We'll take it. <laughs> Who do we serve? You serve the person next to you. You serve your neighbor. You serve your coworker. And you don't serve in your own strength. It's Because if you serve in your own strength, you're going to become embittered. And you're going to become broken and empty. And you're going to be like, oh, I can't do this serving thing. This is not what God is asking see he also has another scripture tells us how do we serve that's isaiah 42 the whole scripture is not going to come up on your screen but i'm going to break it out and i'm going to read it to you first here is my servant whom i uphold my chosen one in whom i delight i will put my spirit on him or her and he will bring forth or she will bring forth justice to the nations they will not Shout or cry out and raise their voice in the street. A bruised reed they will not break, and a smoldering wick they will not snuff out. In faithfulness they will bring forth justice. They will not falter nor be discouraged till they establish justice on earth. See, the former things have taken place, and now I declare them to you before they spring into being. I announce them to you. See, church, if we serve in our own strength, if we serve thinking that's how we earn the favor of God, then we're going to be in big trouble. But if we understand that we can only serve because we are united to God, it changes our service. See, here's a few things from this text. Number one is dependence. It says, here's my servant whom I uphold. Jesus said weird things like this. I can do nothing except that which I see the Father doing. I can say nothing except except that which I hear him saying. What he was saying is that he lived in utter dependence on God. The busier he got, the more time he spent with God. (laughs) Jesus spent time with God so that he could then come and serve others. And so the same is true of you and I. Amen? I I don't, how many of you would agree with me? The more mature I get as a Christian, the more dependent I get on God. I I can't do this life. Our church is getting busier. I can't do it. Amen? But God can do it through us, not through me, through us. Dependence, dependence. Here's the second thing approval. He said, My chosen one in whom I delight. The foundation of Jesus' ministry, we've already talked about this, but I want to pound it home to you. The foundation of Jesus' ministry was the fact that he had his identity secure, he was already approved of by God. Church, the approval of the Lord is the foundation of Christian ministry. You can't do this in order to earn God's approval. I'm going to tell you there's an incredible scripture In Luke 3 321 Jesus is being baptized the Spirit of God descends upon him in the form of a dove the Father speaks from heaven so we see Father Son Holy Spirit all in one passage the Father speaks from heaven he says this is my son whom I love in him I am well pleased In him I have placed my favor. In him I have placed my anointing. In him my grace is resting upon. And and then the most significant portion of that scripture is the last line of that scripture. It says this. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Church, the beginning of Jesus' ministry was not From a point of, if I do these things, then I will be approved by God. The foundation of Jesus' ministry was, he was approved before he did one single thing to earn it. Guys, that's Christianity. Every other religion in the world says, do A, B, C, then maybe God will approve of you and you'll get to heaven. Christianity says, God approves of you god speaks over you god says you're my son you're my daughter whom i love and you i am well pleased now go and serve based on the foundation of approval that's good preaching (laughs) i've said it probably 600 times so you've, you've said this before pastor i know i'll say it again until you get it it's no trouble for me to say it again and again and again Amen. You're approved by God. This is my son, whom I love, and him I am well pleased. You say, well, that was Jesus. Of course the Father's pleased in him. But do you know the Bible says that your standing in this world, 1 John chapter 4, our standing in this world is identical with Christ. Our standing before who? God, not before man, before God, are standing in this world. Why did I accept Jesus into my life? Why did I ask to be born again? Why did I ask Christ to come in and fill my life and be part of my life? Because I can't do it on my own. I am not accepted by what Greg Fraser has done or failed to do. I am accepted because Christ has been accepted, and I'm in Christ. That's the gospel. (laughs) And so Jesus is saying, church, stop trying to earn what you can never earn. If you earn it, then it's no longer a gift and God can't give it to you. If you deserve it, (laughs) how many of you know you don't deserve God's favor? But it's a gift. Amen? Okay, okay okay so you are next you're anointed you're anointed i will put my spirit on him or her can't do this without the anointing the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel the spirit of strength the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the lord the spirit of delight (laughs) the holy spirit this is part of the deal jesus says i'm not only giving you a new identity i'm giving you a new power i'm giving you a new power source from which to live your life you don't have to live in the strength of your flesh the strength of yourself you can live in the power and the strength of the holy spirit you're anointed you're anointed to be the sons and the daughters of the living god amen church listen i'm going to tell you a secret about your life, whatever you do for a living. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad. It doesn't matter if you're a plumber. It doesn't matter if you're an electrician. It doesn't matter if you're an aerospace engineer. It doesn't matter if you're a nurse. You know, you can bring God's anointing into that place. <laughs> the Spirit of God is within you. and You can say, Lord, this is bigger than me. I, I don't know how to do this task. Can you help me? you'll be of surprise how God will give you incredible ideas. God will give you incredible capacity to do what you cannot do without him. You have an anointing, servants of the Lord. Here's the fourth thought. Modesty, humility, and motive. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Who gets the glory for what we do? Is it all about him or about me? Do we rejoice at other people's success or do we want to tear them down? All these things have, a, have an understanding, church. All these things reflect to you and I what we're placing our identity in. Do you know that your work for the Lord is even not the thing that you're to place your identity in? You just do that because you're already okay with God and everything is trusted to Him for that day. You don't have to worry about who gets the glory. You can help and pray for other people. We can pray for other churches to succeed what yes their success is our success and our success is their success amen we got some great churches around here we can pray for the alliance church we can pray for all the churches in this area that god will bless them and pour out his spirit upon them you see who gets the glory for what you do you don't have to prove anything church just live a life of service you don't have to defend anything, you don't have to protect anything. God is keeping account, and it's good. Empathy is the fifth thought. It says a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff, snuff out. <sighs> okay, bruised reeds down by the water side. You've heard me say this analogy before. The water side had those reeds, you know, those reeds, and they just they're just so they're so pathetically weak. You pick them. And they can break and bend really easily. You understand what I'm saying? That's the picture here. And in Jesus' day, they used to try and hollow them out and make a w- little flutes of them. And, um, but they would end up bending half of them and just throw them away and grab another one. Throw them away, grab another one. You ever feel like a bruised reed? Yes. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't throw you out? <laughs> no, really, I can make a sound. <laughs> No, it's like not good. Don't worry, he'll help you. He can heal you bruised reeds. And you know the smoldering wick analogy? You ever had a candle that you blow out and it keeps smoldering? What do you do to that candle? You stuff it into the wax. (laughs) Or you cover it, or you take it out of the... You know what I'm talking about. Jesus is saying, you smoldering wicks, you bruised reeds... I didn't give up on you, and I'll give you the strength not to give up on the people around you. How many of you know Jesus is about to bring in a whole bunch of bruised reeds and smoldering wicks into this church? (laughs) We're already here. Yeah, amen. You're, You're not wrong. Optimism and perseverance. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice, and he will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. See, justice is not about retribution, but about deliverance. It has to do with moving people out of injustice into healthy and whole life in the community of the kingdom of God. You are agents of justice. You're agents of justice. You are the servants of the Lord. And you come to bring justice and peace to this world. You bring a power and an optimistic eye. Church, listen, the world does not need more pessimism today. For the love. Turn on your internet. No, don't. Turn it off. Because it is no, there's no optimism on the internet. It is all pessimism. It is all anti-kingdom thinking. And you're like, oh, my... No, no, no. You know what? Jesus is it. <laughs> he is optimistic. And the world's flailing, and the world's floundering and drowning and Jesus is like oh come on get ready it's about to happen a great revival of God is coming whoo yes the power of God is going to be poured out onto the church and if 3,000 were added to our number tomorrow how many of you know every single one of you in this room right now is now a pastor (laughs) you're like I'll, I'll speak Latin. I don't know, like Go, serve, love. Amen? Because you're going to be needed. And then suddenly, when you're seeing the brokenness of somebody else around you, you're not looking at your own. Hmm. Optimism, perseverance. Keep going, keep going. Don't give up. Keep going, keep going. Lastly, faith. Faith. See, the former things have taken place and new things declare. I spring Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Hallelujah. When you can look at somebody and see something more for their life than they see for themselves. How many of you know most people don't see good things for themselves? They don't. But you can come into their life and you can say, wow. Wow. You know, I... Most of you know I got elected a uh, fellowship elder for our fellowship. And there's a hundred and some churches in our fellowship. And, and my first elders meeting was last week. And I was listening to these guys and their they're, they're Herculean task of shaping the direction of ministers. And it was just an interesting meeting for me because I'm the new guy. And so they, they're, they're in the midst of the struggles, they're in the midst of the stuff, and they're talking and I just, you know, kind of came to me and I just said, you know what, you guys, are, you guys are doing amazing. You guys are awesome. Like I can just see what the changes that you're making. The stuff that you guys have been putting into place in our fellowship is so awesome, so incredible. Our guys are so encouraged. They needed to hear that because they've been in the mix and in the fight for so long. That could be me in a year, but right now I'm the optimistic one. <laughs> Amen? I'm the young guy, like, come on, we can do this. Oh, well, Jesus is good. Can you speak life over your family? Can you speak life over your kids? How many of you know we want to speak life over our kids? How many of you want your kids to be more than you? How many of, them want, how many of you want them to stand on your hands and go higher? Amen? Of course we want that. Do you think God wants that for His kids? You're His kids. And all that are coming into the house of God, this is what the Lord wants you to know and to do. And ask the band to come back. A little bit of a different, different teaching today. I just wanted to teach you about servanthood. I wanted to tell you about the great kingdom that you're part of, church. And I wanted to charge you today... That you are the servants of the Lord you broken people how many of you know the best person to reach broken people is someone that has gone through that breaking first yeah <laughs> so nothing's wasted no experience that you've been through, nothing you've done is wasted. God will take it and use it for his good. Amen? We're on the journey together, church. We are the good and beautiful community of faith. And God is calling us to be the community of servants, not out of our own strength, but out of his strength because the world is desperate for the servants of God to rise up. Amen? Amen and amen. Let me tell you a story in closing and then we're going to sing. Easter Sunday was a busy Sunday here at church and it's a busy Sunday every Sunday. And a lot of times you guys don't see me wandering around on Sundays. And the reason I don't do that is because I have to kind of keep my spirit isolated a little bit so that things don't happen that kind of distract me from what I have to do every week but on Easter I went out into the lobby and I met a young man who had some serious serious issues in his life and in an instant I'm gonna be honest with you in an instant I regretted engaging Because I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than I am. I can't do anything to help. And so honestly, to be honest, the desire, the capacity, and the ability to help this situation was so beyond me, particularly in that moment. But you know, here's the incredible thing about being a servant of God. You can in that moment say, Holy Spirit, I can't do this you have got to help me right now and show me in the body who can come alongside of this person and help them because I can't do it on my own. And so instantly, God just brought some people to gather and instantly I felt an anointing come from the Spirit of God to be able to pray for this young person and to pray for the brokenness in their life, to pray for the Holy Spirit to surround them, to pray for the next steps to be given to them. And then we connected them with somebody that's willing to help and counsel them through this. And this is the body of Christ, you guys. This is who you are. This is whose you are. This is what you get to do. And I'm going to tell you, if you will be open to the Holy Spirit, He wants to use every single one of you for the sake of the world. Amen? Because it's not about you. You're already accepted. You're already secure. You're already significant. So get over yourself and start serving what God wants you to serve that the world might hear the good news that there is hope for them in the midst of a world cascading into collapse. There's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Amen? Okay. (laughs) So before we sing, before we sing, if you're going to say, Pastor Greg, I will join you and Jesus in being a better servant because he's going to help. Raise your hand. Yes, many of us, all of us, hopefully. Raise your hand. Now, lastly, that's good. God sees a hand and we're going to pray this prayer and we're going to sing this song. I'm gonna tell you when I first started singing this song today. When I sang it, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really honest with you. I don't really, you know, for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me, consume me, let me die that they might live. That is not my prayer. It's just not. I'm not that good. But I, but I sing that song with faith, and I say, "Oh my God, help me that this might be true. Help me, God, to actually care enough to let you." Burn like a fire in me for the sake of the world. Isn't that a better prayer to pray? Amen? A more honest prayer. (laughs) So sometimes I sing these songs and I'm kind of singing them as a prayer rather than a declaration of truth. It's like, oh dear God, help me that this might be true. Amen? So we're going to do that in a moment. But I'm going to just do one more thing. You're going to stand up right now. If you don't mind, I'm not commanding you, I'm just asking you if you'd like to stand up. (laughs) But you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, man, I'm still dealing with some bruised reed and some, you know, smoldering wick stuff in my life. We all have that, amen? But if you're here today and you say, man, I just need a touch from heaven, I know everybody's looking at you right now. It's so hard. We're going to tell you an act of faith is to say, I want my brothers and sisters to pray for me so that I might be empowered by God's spirit and find victory in this area. I don't care what you're dealing with. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Keep your hand up when you raise your hand. Raise it up. Lots of hands going up. Okay. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up, everybody. Now look around at the people with their hands raised. I want you to go and place your hand on them, and I want you to begin to pray for them right now. So you can move, you can move around, whatever you got to do. Keep your hand up, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. There's hands up. Make sure everybody who's got a hand up has somebody praying for them right now. Okay? Is there any hands that are up that are... Just keep your hand on their shoulder. Just put your hand on their shoulder. It's good. gather around these people. Is there anybody like, man, I feel so weird. I have my hand up, and nobody's praying for me. Okay, just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. Pray the blessing of the Lord. Pray that their identity might be secure in Christ. Pray that the power of the Spirit might surround them. Pray that the grace of God might abound to them. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's going on in their heart. Just bless them right now. Bless them right now. Fill them with, pray for the Spirit to fill them right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'll be quiet. You pray for a while. Hallelujah. Come on. You can just keep praying if you want. I'm not going to interrupt that prayer. But if you're done, that's good too. Father God, you see all of our hands. You see all those that are being prayed for. Lastly, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're watching online and you're like, I don't know this God that you're talking about that wants to come and live life with me and help me and walk with me, if that is you, I want you to give me a wave and say, Pastor Greg, that's me. I need to get things right with God in my life. If you've never done that before, if you're online, if you're online, there's going to come a button up for you to say, I made a first time commitment to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together with all these that did that right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus that I might live with him and live for him. Thank you for forgiving my sins and coming into my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give these people a hand clap today. Hallelujah.